Anderson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donnie Wurzlaw. Got it out to a oh. kick, kicks Lovett, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. The premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2006, the 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone. Welcome to the Big Footy Eagles a hard-earned victory in the end over St Kilda. We've got AFLW draft to talk. We've got heroes and villains as always. It is Shannon Hearn's 300th game this week, and uh, touch wood that he that he gets up for it and goes for it. The club's putting out all sorts of media as though he will. Hopefully, he's good to go. So, a historic occasion for Shannon Hearn, and it comes fittingly against a team that we won a grand final against. He captained a winning premiership against in Collingwood at the MCG. So, of course, we will preview that one towards the back end of the show as well. Thank you very much for everybody who's joining us in the comments already. Jump online, share the show, tag a mate, all that good stuff. Have your say in the comments. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 I'm joined this week by Miguel Sanchez. Miguel Backchez, it says, in fact. Migs, you're back. Yep, Welcome back to the I'm show. Back. Yeah, back from uh, being rested with uh, with general soreness last week. So, yeah, ready to go. Ready to go. It was a. Uh, we've got plenty to get through, as as we said. There's a, quite a, a big week for the West Coast Eagles. There's some sore boys. There's some uh, some new girls in the team. We've got some history making milestones coming up as well. But Migs, all in all, just uh, I guess we'd like to start these by taking a general pulse. How are things sitting in West Coast Eagles land? How have you enjoyed um, your week? It was a tough tough win over the Saints. It's been a bit up and down this week. Yeah, um, pretty good to have a win, but um, yeah, still a little bit not convinced about the team, but. Yeah, I mean, winning's better than losing, so. Absolutely, 100% it is. Uh, we've got some people jumping in the comments as well, so fantastic to see. Thank you to everybody who's getting involved in the show. People joining in here with the likes, a few views, all that good stuff. As I said, look, tag a mate, share the show, all that good stuff. We're live every Thursday, 8.30 p.m., uh, talking all things West Coast. And, yeah, you can sound off, you can jump on the show. Uh, Migs, how is the ozone? Asks Cam Aldis. I believe this is because I claimed you went back to your home planet last week. So long trip for you, was it, Migs? <laughs> yeah, my home planet needed me, but they then quickly decided they didn't need me anymore. They <laughs> sent you back. <laughs> You're our problem now. Uh, well, look, I think we're all set up. We might as well jump in, get stuck into a St Kilda recap. It was round 19. It was uh, a little bit ugly at times, a bit scrappy, but let's have a chat about it. West Coast Eagles, 14 goals, 10, 94, defeated St Kilda, 13, 8, 86. Uh, Migs, we played the Saints, of course, earlier in the season, got up big, gave away a huge lead, awful. It was a little bit of a, uh, a warning sign, perhaps, for what was maybe about to come for the Eagles. This week, or last week, I suppose, this round, good start, plenty to like, and then the Saints did start chipping away at us, made it quite close towards the end, but... Ultimately, the Eagles just did enough. What did you make of the Round 19 victory? Yeah, uh, definitely felt um, or brought back uh, the NAM flashbacks of that um, that early <laughs> uh, earlier game when uh, it looked like St Kilda were going to roll over the top of us in that last quarter. So yeah, that was a bit um, bit nerve wracking. Um, yeah, hard to know with that that final quarter fade out whether that's 
we've seen a few of them this year, obviously, but with this one, hard to know whether it was a, uh, a fitness thing, mm. um, a fatigue thing, because they'd played sort of three games in 12 days. Six-day breaks and all yeah. of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, or a taking the foot off the pedal thing. But, yeah, they do like to give us a scare. Um, but, yeah, um, good signs at times. Uh, St Kilda, even though their ladder position isn't great, they're, they're in pretty good form coming into that game. So uh, yeah, good to get a win over him. Um, would have been greedy to have a uh, to to expect a, um, a percentage boosting win. Although uh, at stages, I think in that second quarter we might have been. You kind of turn your head once you start putting on a few goals in a row. You think, oh yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a chance we, we might be on yeah. here, but never to be. Evidently for for this version of the Eagles, Cam here. Oh, by the way, clarifying his earlier comment, he says, uh, "Were you not on top of the stadium last week? If not, it was your doppelganger." Now. <laughs> I was at the ground. I saw the big screen. Yeah. Cam, evidently the same. You did the stadium climb as well, Migs. Was on the screen, was I? Yeah, it was up there. Yeah, um, yeah. Pretty good view. Yeah, pretty good view from up there. Um, surprisingly good view. You could uh, see what was going on. But, uh, yeah, coming down in that second quarter missed on, meant I missed a heap of the uh, the second quarter, which was our best period. So that was... A heap of the good stuff. Yeah, a little bit unfortunate. But, yeah... Right, so um, you're the problem, yeah, is what I hear. Clearly, when you yeah. you came back in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll go through some three-word reviews very quickly. If you want to, uh, I'll pull a few up while you take us through your stadium experience. How does that come about, like, in, in the wet as well? Was it was it a pretty nerve-wracking climb to sit and watch a quarter of footy up on top of Optus Stadium? Uh, pretty glad that the weather, we'd sort of looked at doing the North Melbourne game. Um, and then, yeah, that before that got rescheduled and stuff. But, yeah, that would have yeah. been a very unpleasant experience, I think. So... Um, yeah, good time. Um, good time up the top, as long as you're not scared of heights. Um, yeah, good experience. And yeah, Very you, nice. You pick that one off. Uh, now, you talked before about, you know, other teams being able to get a bit of a run on and all this sort of stuff. And our three-word reviews sort of follow that trend. Uh, JS on Twitter says, better than this for the Eagles. Uh, John points out, trouble halting momentum. And I think that's something that we've come back to time and time again this year. Not enough pace, says Alex. Patches and bursts, says Stacey. Ran out of legs, says Blake. So, you know, there's there's all this sort of similar vibe that, yeah, the Eagles can go for a burst. They can go for a bit. They can't sustain it. It's something that we've uh, sort of seen a bit of. John in the comments here coming through with a three, let's call it a three and a half word review. He said West Coast Zoners Corrallas. So there was a little bit more of that creeping in. Uh, but ultimately, Migs, look, the boys did do enough to hold on. So let's talk about things that we liked. For a start, Tim Kelly, particularly in that first half, You'd pay any price for that version of Tim Kelly, so I was very happy with that. And in general, I think the midfield sort of found a few gears and even with Shuey going out, no red and this sort of thing, they, they looked okay. They found their footing a little, like, pretty well in the game, I should say. Yeah, well, a few weeks ago, I brought up the stat about um, how many games they'd won with with Kelly yeah. and one of Shuey and Yo. And, yeah, that, that run has continued because we've beaten... Um, uh, who'd we beat the week before? Adelaide and then St Kilda with... Uh, with Kelly and Yo with no Shuey. So, mm. yeah, that, that record continues. Um, both of them played really well. Kelly played well in the first half, possibly copped an injury or something. Um, Yo seemed to go into beast mode in that in the second half. Yeah. Um, she played really well. I thought he used the ball a bit better than we've seen in um, uh, in some of his games this year. Uh, Gaff was was back to his best as well. and Some timely goals yeah, but, as well for Shade. Really, really timely yeah, goals. Yeah, very timely. Yeah. He loves a timely goal. Uh, and 
most pleasing thing I thought about the midfield was that they didn't have to rely on the silver service from Nick Nat to do it because he and Ryder had a, a pretty good battle, I thought, but I'm not sure which of them took the points. I mean, I'm biased. I always I love Nick Nat. I thought he was very influential setting up a lot of our... Tell, uh, Kelly was great, but <laughs> there was a few things that weren't, you know, it wasn't extracting the hard ball every time. There were a few that were just tapped out into space, run inside 50, go for your life. But, you know, Nick hit the scoreboard. Uh, we'll come around to the forwards in a second because uh, sort of a fits and starts day for the forward as a group as well. A few guys that inaccurate or, of course, Ryan went out injured. But for a nice change of pace, it was really the midfield that kind of set the tone. Uh, let's quickly talk about the backs before we talk about the forwards, though. Shannon Hearn, I thought, very good, rounding into some nice form at a nice time for him in his career. The Harry Edwards-Max King battle or the Simo-Max King battle because we saw Gov tried on him. Shep accidentally got switched on to him. Rotham got switched on to him. I don't know if these were planned, if this was because Edwards was getting a bath, but Max King, I think he had nine marks, six goals, something like that. He was probably individually the star of the show for both teams. The Eagles didn't really have much to slow him down. So how much does that concern you with Harry Edwards' development now? We've seen a couple of times, yeah, some forwards have started to get the better of him. Yeah, it was a tough day for him. Um, I I think um, Max King's going to be an absolute weapon. Uh, he's, he's six foot eight, so when he times his leaps and extends his arms, there's not going to be a lot that a defender can do. And then he started no. kicking goals as well, which uh, earlier in the season he was missing them. So, yeah, Shame. he was definitely on. Illegal. He um, shouldn't be allowed to do it. Yeah, the, he should have to. His opponent should get to stand on a box or something. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I remember um, remember Brass having some pretty, shock, pretty shocking games early. I remember Glass having some shocking games early, McKenzie. So uh, it's not... Um, it's not the end of the world for him, obviously. He's, you know, he's playing his eighth or ninth game. He'll, he'll learn from it. Um, he's, um, yeah, he's still got a lot of development in him. But, yeah, um, um, yeah, tough week for him, obviously. Yeah, and he wasn't alone. As I said, a few guys had a crack on him, one of whom was Gov. Kim in the comments says, what do you guys think of Gov in the ruck? And John in the comments pointed out uh, that he, he liked it. He thought it was a good call. I didn't expect to see it. Uh, it, it's nice. I actually thought we'd see Edwards in the ruck, uh, but it's nice. It's better than Oscar being in the ruck and banging him up, getting more mileage on him. I don't know that Jeremy McGovern has the tank, Miguel, to be an AFL caliber ruckman because yeah. he worked. He worked really hard for five minutes, and then that was it. He was done. He was done for the day. I don't know if that put a cap on what he had left in him for the rest of the day. But at the very least, it, it was something new, and we can talk about strategy wise as well, going a bit more direct. So. Starting to see a couple of new things creep in. Gov in the ruck was certainly one of the most noticeable ones. What did you make of that as a move? Yeah, uh, definitely came out of left field and I was confused. I was up on the roof when it happened and I was trying to work out, um, oh, no, have they had to throw Gov in the ruck because Alan's gone off injured or has, right. has Micknack gone off injured or something? So I couldn't work out how it had happened. But, um, yeah, it was obviously a, um, a, a plan yeah. uh, and they, they're whether it's to protect uh, Oscar Allen, who is banged up, someone mentioned in the comments that... Um, yeah, we'll get on to that in a sec, yeah. yeah that, um, that, yeah, Allen is looking really, really beaten up at the moment. So uh, I suppose every ruck contest that Gov took was one that Allen didn't have to take, so that was a bonus. Uh, and um, because Allen is so flexible, you can swing him back uh, into defence to cover Gov when he's out of there. So... Worked all right from that point of view. Uh, how much of a, a long-term solution it is to the issue of, of who backs up Nick Nat, mm. I'm not sure. But it's, yeah, I suppose, an, another lever that, that Simo can pull. 
So Cam says that we can't carry two Ruckman who aren't fantastic runners, which is a fair point, and I think that's why we've seen Allen so much, starting to perhaps see Gov. Julian said, good to see the coaches tinkering around with things like putting Gov in the Ruck. Uh, we'll talk about Allen. We'll talk about the forwards now. I wonder if Gov in the Ruck, I don't recall it happening too many times on the weekend, but I wonder if also that might allow us to get a few more intercept marks coming out of defence. You know, that kick down the line, not to buy into all the knick-knack doesn't take enough marks hype and all of this crap, yeah. but they kick it down to the line to a big pack. We usually just kill the contest and set up again, which isn't a bad thing, but maybe if Gov can start sharking one or two of those, puts a little bit of territorial pressure on. Uh, let's talk about Oscar Allen, and we'll blend this into our forwards chat as well. John says, uh, raise the issue of Oscar for us. Uh, banged up and a fraction of his previous form. I don't think that's up for debate. He, he is. He started yeah. the season like a house on fire. He looks sore. He's certainly not informed whether he's injured or not. Definitely the form's not there. Uh, is Simo too stubborn in selection? I think that's a broader chat for me, but <laughs> it, as it relates to Allen, I am sort of torn on this because for me, Migs, we're in a stage of the season where you want to get games into guys. Not that Allen's some untested kid. We hopefully will just see him again and again for years, but I don't mind him getting games. Now, if the plan is give him a week off so he can come back fresh, yeah, I'm all for that. And I don't see why we wouldn't do that, especially with Kennedy around. Waterman coming into the team from the waffle in great form. Obviously, we'll talk about his game. You know, Darling's up and about and hopefully starting to physical, you know, get some physical form as well, push some guys around on the weekend. So we're built to carry three or four tools. We can do without Allen if it needs. Is it a stubbornness issue for you? Is it a structural issue? If we're going to ruck Gov, we might as well give Allen a week off somewhere if he's genuinely beat up. Yeah, you'd think so. And yeah, he was in my outs this week in the, the changes mm. thread for that reason. Um, that he, yeah, he just looks like he needs a spell. Um, could, uh, people were saying he, he didn't look like he could lift his arms. Uh, he's he's got more bandages on him than Tutankhamun. Um, <laughs> I think someone else used that line. I can't take no, credit not, for it. Don't worry about it. It's a good line. I like yeah. it. Uh, he, yeah, he's looking um, he's looking really beaten up at the moment, um, and it probably would have been a good week to to spell him. Um, I had him coming out for Williams, uh, either Williams or Vardy. Didn't really matter which to me, but I thought um, against Grundy uh, would be important to have that second ruckman, and yep. um, probably can't carry all the forwards, all the big forwards, um, plus a second ruckman. Uh, and yeah, Allen would have been a good opportunity to. Uh, uh, to rest him. So, I don't know, Vardy's in, we've had the squad come out, Vardy's uh, in the squad. If he flies, last time we had an away trip, Vardy sort of surprisingly, was it Vardy? I think it was Vardy. No, Williams, sorry. Uh, Williams surprisingly flew, flew yeah, we... and then replaced Kennedy. So, possibly could see that happen again with Alan. Um, yeah, we'll wait and see who flies tomorrow. Philip in the comments here says he agrees Alan might need a rest, but also perhaps being noticed by the opposition. Maybe they're putting a little bit more work into him than earlier on in the season. Uh, forwards, look, watching Josh Kennedy play footy is a blessing. I'm going to be very, very sad when he goes. What did he finish up with? Three goals. I honestly thought he had more. But again, good target, kicking him from everywhere, all this good stuff. Uh, Waterman and Ryan. Now, Ryan obviously got hurt early kicking the goal. Waterman's yeah. come away with one goal, three, I think. But honestly, it felt like a few more. I think there was a couple where he didn't register a score and picked the third of two options very early on in a, so, a yeah. shot on goal situation, things like that. The forward line dynamics, a little bit thin on the ground because, you know, Darling's still not in red-hot form. He, he looked a bit better on the weekend, but not in red-hot form. Uh, Kennedy, Kennedy's Josh Kennedy, but, you know, might have a good week and a bad week at this stage of his career. 
Ryan's out. Hopefully, Willie's going to come in at some point. But if Waterman's not in form, things like that. Allen's banged up. It doesn't look like this pristine, fantastic unit we thought it was at the start of the year. Do you have any long-term concerns about it? I'm not talking long, long term. I mean for the rest of the season. You know, we we sort of falling apart at the wrong time. Are they going a bit rusty when it's sort of starting to count now at this point? Or, or you think sort of week to week they can probably still do enough to get a score on the board? They can probably do enough, and yeah, it, it bats so deep that there's guys you can who can bob up and and um, you know, bit, play a little cameo every week. You know, we saw it from Cripps the week before. Uh, he did. He had a pretty good game again. Um, Langdon sort of bobs up here and there. We've got a bit of depth there. Um, he worked hard got, on the weekend, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got Rioli to come in, as you said. So uh, there's enough there. Um, but yeah, the issue for me, I think, is the um, the efficiency has dropped right off. Like mm. first six weeks of the season, we were winning because uh, we were scoring every time we went inside fifty. That's dropped right yeah. back, um, and. We're, we're not a team that creates a lot of inside 50s, so we do rely on... That was keeping us in games um, earlier in the season, and, and, yeah, that's dropped off. So that's something they need to get back somehow, drink some magical elixir or something. <laughs> something like that. Uh, well, look, before we wrap things up on the Saints game, I suppose the last thing... We've talked about Gov to the Ruck, but for me, noticeably, there was more intent to play on off the half-back line. You know, if somebody had a marker of free, get a runner coming through from behind... Uh, Tom yeah. Cole using the corridor a lot, specifically him, but I think it was a, a team instruction or yeah, maybe they've Duggan just decided. As well. Duggan, yeah, yeah maybe they've just decided, let's go for it. I don't. It's probably an instruction, but maybe they're just sick of it and they want to go for it, roll the dice. But it is noticeable, is the point, and I think that's something that we're seeing. Doesn't always come off. It's a phrase we've turned to a lot of times, though, Migs. You're going to go down swinging. We'd rather them yeah. lose having a crack than stuff around with it. For the second week in a row, we've had a few howlers kicking it around the back 50, things like that. Just go yeah. down punching, boys, you know? Let's actually go for it. Do you think this is a trend we'll actually see? Is this Simo trying to change the game plan long-term or is this him keeping his head above water with the pressure starting to build? What what do we make of this intent to use the corridor, go a bit faster, a little bit un-Eagles-like? I hope it's a trend. I hope it's something mm. that we'll see, and I hope they're being encouraged to do it even when it doesn't come off, because it doesn't always come off. And um, we've had, we've seen it the last couple of weeks against you know, reasonable opposition. Uh, it'll be when we, if we start to do it against you know, Melbourne next week, uh, and it, it gets punished a few times, and then uh, maybe the boys go back in their shell. Um, that'd be disappointing. But yeah, hopefully they're building up a bit of confidence in it uh, in over. The, these sort of three weeks when we've got some um, some easier opposition to do it so that we can just work that into the game plan a bit before the finals because I think we saw uh, the, the weeks just after the bye that our game plan has been... Our previous game plan has been found out and, uh, yeah, we, we weren't going to be winning any finals with that. So, um, yeah, definitely time to try something new and, and hopefully the players are playing a bit more on instinct as well and not... Um, you know, so rigid because they they looked bereft of all confidence uh, in those mm. the three Absolutely. bad losses, and uh, you can see the difference now. The body language is better, and the yeah the the um, in, playing on instinct and and, play, and you know, running on and you know, turn and go gets and, and yeah not uh, going back and second guessing themselves a lot. So yeah, it looks a lot yeah. better. Um, the test will be when it uh, whether it uh, works against the. Uh, the better opposition sides, but um, 
yeah, it, it, it's much better footy to watch than uh, than what we were seeing before that. Paul in the comments says, Simo, finally coaching like a private schoolboy. Oh. We will be getting back to that I, later I, on I, in the I suspect show that'll be coming up in Heroes and Villains. That's a Heroes and Villains one, I think. Cam, similar. More two-parent players, please. <laughs> Good comments all. Uh, Migs, let's wrap things up on the Saints game. Any final thoughts from yourself, you know, concerns, things that you like, things we've not touched on just yet? Um, trying to think who else played well that we haven't mentioned. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, I think we've covered everything. We'll get back to this in the Pies game, but nice to see that they're sticking with somebody like West and, and giving O'Neill a bit of a run out as well. Um, Jared Brander, just as sort of a one-sentence one, really long shift as the sub. You know, Ryan went out very early, yeah. did not take the opportunity. He's been omitted, or maybe he'll come back up as the sub. You know, I don't know what their plans are for him in terms of using him as a sub, getting waffle games into him, but going to have to wait and see on that because it wasn't the Jared Brander that we saw earlier in the year. But at the very least, for me, yeah, another story out of the game. Nice to see West. Good to see O'Neill again. Uh, we're going to get him a goal. We're going to get West a goal at some point. Yeah. The crowd were hungry for it. But, Hit the uh, post to me might... at one stage. Yeah, from the set shot. Everybody knew about it too. Everyone was riding that one home. But anyway, we will leave the St Kilda chat there and uh, we'll circle back around to the men's team in just a bit. But uh, moving on now, Migs, we've got some AFLW coverage. The AFLW draft mix this week happened earlier on in the week. The Eagles went into the draft with a bit of a stacked hand, uh, you know, a few extra picks than Frio and the way that the draft works, obviously very WA based, you know, it's a state based draft. So you have pick two or pick seven. It's really pick yeah. one in the WA draft. So, you know, the Eagles have come in with a bit of a, a stronger hand than Frio, but that's to be expected with the on-field results. So ultimately look, pick three, 21, 24, 40, and 47, but they've done some nice stuff. And we've been watching the AFLW now since the Eagles have been, you know, following the Eagles team since they've been in. The one thing that we constantly come back to is we need to get them a target. We need to get them a forward. A lot of people thought Amy Franklin would be the option. Yeah, They've left her on the table and gone with Charlie Thomas from the first overall pick, the third pick in the draft. Uh, a, a good tall and a good option still. So we'll discuss that. But then, of course, Franklin turns around, goes to Freo six, seven picks later. So... Let's just talk about that one to start with. Needing a key forward, needing a focal point for all of their effort and finally some reward for effort. Do you think it was the right option? I mean, early to tell, I know, but what did you make of that decision? Yeah, that was probably the uh, the negative coming out of it. I'm pretty happy with the with what I know and I don't know a lot about um, uh, girls' football, I have to say. Um, yeah, don't watch much of it. but um, So I'm just going off what uh, people on the board uh, say, but... Yeah, a bit of a surprise that um, that Franklin slipped through. She did seem like she really fitted our needs. But, yeah, I don't know anything about Charlie Thomas except um, the thing I keep coming back to is that this time last year I don't think anyone knew anything about Bella Lewis. I mean, she came in and uh, and won the best and fairest in her first year. So, uh, yeah, the, I think that shows the recruiters know what they're doing and they probably watch a bit more um, women's footy than the rest of us. Well, so, she's also been injured as well for a long shift, so it's kind yeah, of hard to build your draft profile. Yeah, so, it's interesting that yeah. they're happy to back that in, having not seen much of her this year. Yeah, backing her potential. Um, so, yeah, we've added to the midfield with her and uh, and Rowley, who was, uh, it was Rowley or Rowley. But, yeah, she's one that was sort of being talked about as that first WA pick, and she ended up still there for the third one. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Ruck, uh, Lake or... Lake, another one I can't pronounce. Uh, Beth Schilling is a 
sort of key defender, sort of mid-sized defender from um, from Peel, and we lost a few defenders over the off-season, so mm. uh, that's another one to add. And uh, L Bennett's uh, Ed Bennett, sorry from uh, sorry Emily Bennett from uh, from Claremont as well. So yeah, five more coming in. We've got um, Gooch and and Schmidt joining the uh, joining the side from uh, from Fremantle and from GWS. So yeah, yeah, retooling. Um, we want to yeah, see some improvement this year, but not too much because we want to finish below Fremantle again because there's uh, no, no. an absolute star <laughs> who's apparently no, no, coming no. up in next year's draft. None of this. There's always going to be a star. No. I don't want to get into this mentality of, you know, no. it, at no point in the West Coast Eagles program, men, women or children, should there be looking to the future, tanking all of, all of this all of this business. Uh, John says if we get Ella Roberts next year in the draft, that makes sense. So there you go. That's a good uh, good one from John, who I know does follow the uh, the AFLW on on the board quite well. Um, I mean, look, we needed to replace Pereira, who we moved along in sort of I think controversial circumstances in the end. I think it was a little bit of a maybe she wanted to go on, but the club moved her along. There was a bit of a rumor going around about that one. But anyway, uh, Schilling looks like she might be the like for like trying to have a bit of a key target presence. The midfield group. I was thinking about this in the week after the draft. We've gone big on on height. The midfield group, you look at it on paper, and it's actually a relatively strong, I would say, a finals caliber midfield group. The yeah, improvement needs to come dumb, doesn't it? everywhere else. Yeah, because you go Hooker, Swanson, uh, McCarthy, and then you've got Lewis and Bowen. That's a good five. And then you've got Laurie in yeah. the ruck. And if we've added a second ruck this year in the draft, you know, and maybe you can go the resting ruck as a forward option. The pieces are yeah. there for the midfield. For me, it's always that reward for effort for the AFLW girls because they get it in, you know, they get it inside fifty a fair bit, and then just watch it come straight back out and get nothing on the board for it. Uh, we've seen games where they have had good forward efficiency. They'll they'll put up a good score. They'll put up a winning score last year. So, yeah, reward for effort. Hopefully, the the tools, a few utilities, and and more target options, I suppose, might help. But yeah, a bit of a slow burn, bit of a, a build up thing for the for the AFLW side this year. In terms of target for wins, do you have anything like that this early on in the off-season or oh, still a God. bit early have, to tell? Have they even said how long the season is? It was nine this, games. Yeah, they, ten this time? There's talk of expanding it, but then, of course, it's over Christmas, like it's over the December yeah. summer period. So who so knows where things are at COVID. Heat, so good luck to them. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, so, season length might up in the air. But so, you know, but will they build, I suppose, on last year is basically what I'm trying to, trying to get I, at. Yeah, you definitely hope so. With the uh, with the moves that we've made, we look like a stronger side. Um, so yeah, need to be pushing up. I don't know that they'll play finals, depending on how many are allowed in the finals. But yeah, if they can win a few more games, look to get a bit closer to uh, to five hundred mm. um, point five or whatever you want to call it, and <laughs> uh, and yeah, just move and yeah, just continue to build. Um, Definitely saw improvement from year one to year two and need a similar sort of step for year three. The way the club are talking as well, it seems like, you know, I know we've already got Cameron there, we've already got the Kellys and, and this sort of option, but seems like they're thinking of Thomas maybe as more of a forward than a than a midfielder, so we'll wait and see what happens with that one. Uh, yeah. Certainly something to keep an eye on and the season, yeah, coming up relatively quickly because they're planning on starting it a lot earlier this year, so... We'll keep our eyes posted on uh, for that one and, and more AFLW draft content. We'll do another episode specifically about the AFLW as well, closer to their season, I'm sure. Uh, Mix, there's no keys tonight, so I'm a bit reluctant to move things along to the next segment, but we might as well <laughs> get stuck in 
I think it's time for heroes and villains. Heroes and villains time, Miguel. As we said, no Ks. This is normally his time to shine. I'll throw things over to you first. You can start us off. We always start with villainy. There's been plenty of it this week. Uh, and I've got actually a couple of uh, mail-in votes, I suppose, a few few written entries yeah. here from Keys. So I'll bring him into the pod a little later on, but the floor is yours. Yeah. Fire away. Who's pissed us off this week? And you guys will just have to imagine him doing it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start off with a little bit of a left-field one, um, a, a dual nomination for Adam Simpson and Brett Ratton uh, okay. because Elliot Yo, I thought, was huge, was probably close to best on ground. The Eagles oh. website had him best on ground. Coaches sure. didn't give him a single vote. Don't know what's going on with that. Um, pretty obvious one. Nice. And I, I, yeah, I don't know whether Keys had this one as well, and I'm sure you would have had it, but every single media member who got stuck into Simo based on basically a little five-second sound grab uh, from an interview on radio from some words that uh, he didn't choose very well, and I'm sure he, he regrets choosing him, but uh, the... The, the media shitstorm based on one paragraph of it without actually bothering to, to listen to what the full argument was. Yeah. Or worse, for I'm sure a lot of them listened to the full argument and then got stuck into him based on the sound grab anyway because it was convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do we want to go into the detail of what he said? And everyone knows, I think, what he said. And I think if you're watching meant. this, you, you probably know what the controversy was. I'm yeah. going to paraphrase, which is even worse because yeah. he was sort of paraphrasing already. But, you know, his point was, give us more money in the soft cap. The question that he was yep. asked directly was, the soft cap has been cut. They're talking about imp- like increasing it. We don't know by how much yet, but what is your football department missing? What would you like to add? What will you spend what, that money on? And he said, most of our player welfare is coming from senior players. We don't have the support staff for it. I've said it before, you get, you get this affecting your draft because you see someone, you see somebody who's talented but might need a bit of support. You don't think you can resource it. So maybe we'll play it safe. And the thing that was frustrating people, he said something like maybe you draft the private school player yeah. with the, the, you know, parents are still married. They don't give you trouble or something like that. It was, it was yeah. a comment like that. Um, Even though he was, I'm pretty sure he was exactly describing Ben Cousins there who went to Wesley and his parents were, I think, still happily married. Um, there you go. I hope that's still up. But yeah. That, Shout out, Cuz. Hope you're doing well, mate. Yeah, uh, great, great example of yeah the uh, the safe pick, the private school boy with the from the stable family is going to give you absolutely no trouble. Yeah, well, yeah. or maybe maybe start a you know fan podcast and uh, just wither away his life. Uh, we've had people say that you know, hey, this player's from a private school. Using the Ben Cousins example, they've compared it to the uh, I forget who it was. The recruiter earlier in the 2000s said, "Oh, well, we just want yeah. draft indigenous players then." disingenuous shit which is what we come back to time and time again on this segment it's what it's for but this disingenuous media stuff we've got andrew saying carolyn wilson brought up white male privilege read the simpson comment uh (laughs) bombards asked who would win in a battle royale between the eagles big footy public and private school board posters i'd be interested (laughs) to see that one i don't know that i'd want to get too far involved in that but uh i don't know if we've got too many private school boys do we i don't know I think we've got a few, but uh, anyway, they're probably up to no good. Uh, But basically it was just, yeah, as we said, deliberately misconstruing comments. It was a 15-minute interview. Was it on 3AW, I think it was? Or potentially, anyway, it's irrelevant. Yeah, one of them. Whoever it was, I think it was 3AW, ran the headline, Adam Simpson gives his thoughts on 
uh, a potential COVID pause. So they didn't give a shit about that. It was a 15-minute interview. It's been boiled down to one soundbite, but when isn't it? And all in all, a very good point with perhaps some poorly chosen words. He's gone. We've got some money. Please let us spend this money. And then they've come around and turned it into, well, Adam Simpson doesn't like Indigenous kids and he thinks public school kids are scum. Disingenuous, villainy. I mean, I'll I'll give the floor back to you to go through some other nominations, but I think that's going to be a hard one to top this week for sure. Yeah, similar to you guys with Pav last week. I think everyone else is playing for second place because... Yeah, we just basically give it to the entire media. Um, only other one I had was, uh, it's not footy related, but the bloke in Sydney that allegedly punched the police horse. Um, you're allegedly a, a complete tosser. <laughs> Don't punch horses. I've actually no, seen I... footage. I'm going to go into bat slightly. It, the, the photo looks the worse footage. than the vision, but also don't be there. You're in lockdown. Yeah. Go home. Don't be out striking animals, you prick. Anyway, uh, I'll bring Keys into it now. And this, unfortunately, you won't hear from the great man, so I'll have to do my best Keys here. But uh, <laughs> he said, uh, this is a Gary Lyon quote, I believe, a, nominee for, a nomination from Keys for Gary Lyon. I'm seeing big picture. I'd hate to have the grand final not in Melbourne once more, but I can live with two in my lifetime, if that, when it comes down to it. Of course, that's Gary Lyon talking about the grand final. Uh Another nomination from Keys. He says, Pav, when Ryan went down, said, uh, good news if you're a Saints fan or something like that, which <laughs> I understand the sentiment, but if you're a boundary rider, don't do anything that flirts with championing injuries. Just yeah. shut up, Pav. I think that's just good advice. Shut up, Pav. Yeah, sure. Uh, we had, I think, uh, Elorari on uh, Big Footy might have shouted out Eddie and all of his bullshit, spending millions, costings, tests, just run the country into a deficit so we can set up some ring of steel and still let the grand final happen at Melbourne at the MCG. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Eddie's next suggestion is going to be somehow getting the MCG on the back of the Indian Pacific and bringing it over here. Yeah, Um, bring the MCG to Perth and put it in the sterile corridor. I've chosen my words poorly like Adam Simpson because the comments are jumping on me now. Apparently I like horse beaters. Apparently I condone horse punching. Yeah. So that's good. This is why you don't draft private schoolboys because they're all pricks. Uh, I think. I, I mean, I think it's that. My, my nominee was was going to be that, but obviously it's clearly been taken. It was always going to have been. It doesn't get much worse than the media beat up and the the follow up. You know, everybody's piling in. Everybody on Twitter's going in based on what they heard about what someone heard about what someone heard about what Simpson said. Yep. Disingenuous. It's bullshit. The Adam Simpson private school. Fiasco, yeah. I think that's villain of the way. It's better than the St Kilda schoolgirl fiasco. So you know, it's slightly there's worse fiascos you could have had with uh, private school kids. But anyway, uh, I think that's can we give villain it of the to. Week. Can we give villain of the week to a sort of broad concept? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's do uh, it. It's your segment. You can do what you like. <laughs> uh, let's flip the tone then. Let's go heroic. And if you got any heroes for the week, Olympic or otherwise, send them in. Of course, everybody's been loving the Olympics. Early uh, hero nomination, the uh, the Aussie swim coach with the celebration. Is it Dean oh, Boxall? Is that his name? Yeah, that was brilliant. Oh, another villain. All God, the oh, yeah. plonkers, all the plonkers who had a go at him for I don't know, oh, showing um, toxic masculinity or something. For, all the Americans for celebrating too much. Jesus Christ. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Continue. Unlucky America. Anyway, fuck them. Uh, yeah, so he gets a hero nomination from myself. Uh, Dean Boxall looks like Nikoski's brother coming through in the comments here from Bombard. <laughs> Good call. Not a bad shout, actually. It's got the generic surfer yeah. vibe. 
Uh, I watched a bit of the surfing, actually. Migs, some weird celebrations in that. So nice to see the surfer energy being kept high uh, for the Olympics. Plenty to like in the Olympics. All the swimmers, everybody's doing really well over there. You know, got the surfing. Boomers are going okay as well. Uh, a few medals in the rowing as well, I believe. So plenty, plenty to like in the Olympics. From a footy point of view, Hero of the Week, nomination from yourself, uh, anybody that took your fancy from a West Coast point of view. Uh, I was just going to nominate Hearn for getting to 300, assuming he yeah. gets through. Nah, of course. I think that's the easy one. I, You know what? It's going to take a big entry to beat D Boxall this week, but I think Shannon Hearn's 300 games might yeah. do it. Uh, Phil says that he wouldn't draft himself and he's come from Churchland, so we've got more public v school. Churchland school doesn't even exist anymore, does it? Does it? I don't know. How would I know? I don't know. Was that, Churchland's. Was, nah, Churchland's is... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Churchland's quite a big school. Okay, I might be getting. I'm sure up. this is why people are watching this show. Yeah, I'm sure this is why people tune Let's in. Public versus private schools, everyone. Does this school exist? Jared Waitley gets a hero nomination from Paul. Very good reason too. Pointing out that Nick Nat was the number one rated player in the league. Hero nomination for Nick Nat being the number one rated player in the league. While yep. while uh, we're at it, I think Bombard's liking the pu- uh, public v private school chat. So there is a market for it out there, Mix. Anyway, uh, hero of the week. I think it's going to be hard to go past Shannon Hearn, and we will come up in a minute and talk about him in a sec but uh a great man uh it was jared healy not jared waitley of course who said that jared healy would uh always champion nick nat if he could yeah but anyway we're we're losing we're losing focus we're getting off track i'm getting distracted it's shannon hearn right it just has to be yep right let's get into it then let's discuss the great man it is shannon hearn's 300th game on the weekend He's playing Collingwood. He beat Collingwood once, Migs. Well, more than once, but famously, very famously once. And uh, I think I saw a stat. He's about to become the fourth player in the last 20 years or something like that. 300 games, captain to premiership, All-Australian. Superstar bloke, superstar player. He's only getting better with age. You know, maybe he started to find his ceiling this year. But if you go back to 2018, 2019, we were thinking Shannon Hearns reinvented himself again. He's just getting better and better and better. He can still go. He's still, you know, capable of throwing up 20 disposals off the half-back line and changing the game. Fantastic to see him, more importantly, though, hitting that 300-game milestone. First for the club, fantastic for him. I'll throw it over to you now. Say your piece. Go nuts about him. Shannon Hearn, what what can we say about the great man? Yeah, what can we say that we haven't already said? Because um, we've been uh, we've been singing his praises a bit this year when he, he equaled Cox's record, then he broke Cox's record, and yeah, now <laughs> getting to the 300. So, yeah, he's been fantastic. Um Oh, want to become famous by followers, primes, and viewers. Excellent. Oh, um, we're big enough for uh, spam bots to be coming in the comments. So that's nice. The spam yeah. bots like the Civil War public school, private school chat. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry, Bunger, to drag focus from you. The, apparently, he doesn't like um, doesn't like. He would like that. So yeah, he's yeah. a big, chilled out guy. He doesn't want to be the centre of attention. But as you say, he's been the centre of attention a fair bit this year. Yeah, um, great to see him get to 300 and talking as well about going on next year and um, probably earlier in the season, you would have thought that was a bit of a pipe dream. But, uh, yeah, we're starting to see in the last few weeks the uh, the Shannon Hearn of old. So, mm. yeah, certainly uh, wouldn't be against him going around again. Um, but, yeah, um, fantastic to finally get someone to the 300 mark and, um, yeah, that record of yeah, all-Australian premiership captain, um, 300 games, speaks for itself really. You go through the list, you see the guys that he's passed along the way and, and guys that, you know, I think, well, I personally had a lot of hope that Dan Cox would hit 
300 at one point. Yeah. Uh, Djakovic, 276. Glass, 270. Honestly, with Glassy, he might have been able to go on, might have maybe been able to get to 300, but I think he was done. He called time at the right time for himself personally. McKenna, 260. Banfield, 265. Matera, 253. And Josh Kennedy about to go past Peter Matera as well, 253 for himself. There's not been a lot of candidates, certainly not for a while, that actually genuinely feel like a 300-game chance. Of course, we sung the praises of David Mundy last week, 350 for the Dockers. Pav's had his 350 as well, so they've managed it a couple of times. Why do you think that West Coast specifically haven't been able to, given that you know the travel burden and all of that, but Frio, in a shorter period of time, have had a couple, and they've had a couple really go on into the 350s. So what, what do you think yeah. it is that's prevented our guys from nailing this 300 mark that Shannon Hearn, it will now hopefully chalk up? Probably a bit of luck, I think. Um, Pavlich yeah. and Mundy were both pretty lucky during their... You know, the, well, lucky's probably not the right word, but they were pretty durable. They had... Um, uh, you know, didn't miss much time, really, for injury, either of them. Um, yeah, I don't know what the difference is between between those two guys and, and our guys like Cox. Uh, we've talked a lot about the... Um, yeah, that's our, a good call, Paul. Yeah. Our, boys play, our boys play harder than Freo boys, says Paul. And uh, yep. playing for Freo isn't luck, says Bob. I'd love that. They've had to play a lot more finals footy as well, so that's harder on the body. Um, Come on now. Yeah, let's get stuck into them. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, hopefully we'll see a couple more. I mean, if you got a little bit further down that list of the, the big 200 gamers, um, yep. Darling and Gaff are sort of coming up there, and they're both um, pretty young for um, for to have played the 230-odd games that they've each played. So I think they're neck and neck at the moment as well. 232, um, so they're three seasons, yeah. three full seasons away from doing it. And and you'd hopefully, I mean, touch wood again, yeah. you hope that they stay healthy, they should be able to tick those off, yep. Yeah, both of them have been durable. They're, they're both, I think, signed for long enough to get there as long as they remain healthy. So we could, yeah, could be like London buses where none, you have none and then a whole heap <laughs> of them come along in a, in a row. So yeah. We could have three 300 gamers um, when you and I are doing this podcast in three or four years' time. Yeah, of course. Um, now, Shannon Hearn specifically, I mean, the accolades speak for themselves, should have had the All-Australian captaincy, but did manage yep. to chalk it up at a really late stage of his career. Premiership again speaks for itself. Debuted, what, 2006, fair while ago. You know, he came into the league with Matty Prittis, debuted along, well, not alongside him, but same yep. year, same time. At what point, in his career, did you start thinking, okay, Shannon Hearn is going to be the guy? Because honestly, it wasn't something that was on the radar for me until that resurgence in 2018. If you had told me at the end of 2016, 17, that Hearn would sort of wrap it up pretty soon, I probably yeah. would have believed you. Um, and, you know, all Australian in the later stages show that he, he was getting better and not that he was playing bad footy before by any stretch, but, you know, it, he wasn't really on the radar for me as the 300 gamer. I've always thought Gaff and Darling were going to be the ones to notch it up first. So yeah. when did you sort of buy into the fact that he actually might be the guy? Uh, oh, probably a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought I thought he might fall just short, really. Uh, True. When, yeah. when he was injured uh, earlier in the season, I thought, you know, we've got him to the, the game milestone, but he might not get the... The ten games or whatever it was he needed at that stage to, to get to three hundred. So, yeah, he's really, um, yeah, he's really come into his own as you said since about 2017, um, Yeah, he was a, sort of a, a good role player before that, but yeah, it wasn't. Um, 
yeah, it wasn't really talked about in the uh, the All Australian category uh, up no. until that point. So yeah, he's uh, he's gotten a lot better as he's gotten older, and yeah, he doesn't. It showed a little sign this season of slowing down, maybe, but not too much. And yeah, it can probably go around again. Talk to me about uh, Shannon Hearn memories, because obviously a bit of a fan favourite in terms of everybody. He'll mark the ball in the back pocket and people yell at him to have a shot. So everyone's always yeah. like that. That's a fun game to play. But, you know, he's not the guy that kicks the match-winning goal or goes up for a big hang or anything like that. He he carries himself very much how he plays, just sort of no nonsense, do the business, move on to the next one and all of that. But he's still thrown in a couple of spectacular moments, the goal in the first game and doesn't doesn't mind a big uh, bit of a shit mix hip and shoulder as well. He throws yeah, his way around at times. Ironed out um, Travis Boak, I think, a few yep. years ago when both of them that were a bit younger. was definitely one of them. Yeah. Yep. Um, trying to think who else he's ironed out. Uh yeah, he's, uh, he's had some good hits. Uh, goaling with his first kick against Brisbane. Yep. Um, and from about 60, and I think we got a sign then of, uh, of what we had. Yeah, um, but, yeah, he's just – yeah, it's tough to pick out the moments because he's just, yeah, so no-nonsense that yeah, he's uh, – you look at the stat sheet and he's had 28 touches and his opponent yeah. hasn't kicked a goal, but you, you haven't really noticed him during the game. But in a way, that's almost the perfect summation of Shannon Hearn is that we're at his yeah. 300th game and – we did Nick Nat's 200th a few weeks ago. You talk about that, you could probably clear an hour and just talk about your favourite Nick Nat memories, this mark and this goal and blah, blah, blah. Shannon Hearn just does the business. And, yeah, he's probably got a kick, you know, every couple of weeks he'll throw in a kick that just makes you sit yeah. up and go, like, wow, that was a phenomenal kick. But not to pick out one specifically, do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't tell you his yeah. best kick of 2015, whereas I can recall a mark that Nick Nat took that year or yeah. whatever, whatever, things like that. It's almost actually one um, one kick oh, yeah. that does stand out for me. I think he had the kicked it into the middle. Um, you know that game against St Kilda that um, Eric McKenzie of all people kicked the winning goal. Yes, yeah, yeah. Pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure Hearn kicked it sort of almost into the centre circle from just the kick out. It. And then and, I think Selwood yeah. might have gotten onto it and just. Oh no, Rosa, Rosa had got onto it and hacked it Was long. It? Yeah, and then and McKenzie outran Bo Meister, who Meister, yeah. Hanny chasing him. Yeah. Well, there you go. But even still, I mean, that's a match-winning goal for someone else and a centre yeah. contest win by someone else. And it was just Shannon Hearn getting onto a big one. But I think that's almost perfect. I think it's a very Shannon Hearn thing to have where you're at 300 yeah. games. Everyone goes, I love him and I know he's great and I know yeah. it, the things that he's very good yeah. at, he's close to the best at. I just yet, can't remember any of them. I just I just don't know. Yeah. They just He just goes about his business. So that's awesome. Fantastic to see. Uh, apparently he knocked a Bulldogs player out with his thigh. That's right. That was a few years ago, and there was a bit of a report situation around it, says Paul, uh, Bulldogs player, he knocked out with his thigh yeah. there. So that was a good one. Got the tree trunk legs there, but just fantastic to see him chalk up game 300. And I think Migs will use this to segue into our Collingwood chat, into our round 20 preview, uh, because he's playing the team that famously he beat in 2018, played a huge game in that one, and uh, walked away yeah. premiership captain. West Coast Eagles are going to take on Collingwood this Saturday at the MCG in front of no one, which is almost how Shannon Hearn might like it. But uh, it's just a huge game for the Eagles in terms of the finals race because they find themselves with a bit of breathing room. Percentage is not the best. That is still going to be a factor. They need to win an extra game because they won't get in on percentage. But with with Melbourne coming up, with Brisbane coming up, with Freo coming up, you know, Derby always tough and maybe they're going to have one last roll of the dice to make something of this season. Good time to get a win on the board now. And Collingwood, they've got some big ins, but they are also similarly not in great form. 
Yeah, not in great form. Uh, we know we play them well at the MCG, um, not just the grand final. We've beaten them a bit uh, there mm. lately to uh, to yeah shake that monkey off the back well and truly. Um, Collingwood don't have a lot to play for um, apart from trying to uh, avoid the wooden spoon because uh, there's no actual benefit to them in winning the wooden spoon because they gave away their pick. Um, yeah, lost their skipper for the year now. Um, yeah. So not a lot to play for, but um, yeah, they'll they'll still be dangerous. Uh, I think they'll circle any matchup they have with us on the calendar a while out uh, since twenty eighteen. Um, yeah, coming off that loss to Port, what'd you say they've they've lost four out of their last five, five or something? Five. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, looked um, definitely competitive against uh, Port, who are a, a much um, much better side than them last week. So. Uh, yeah, definitely not a, a game that we can uh, take lightly. Um, I did. I looked through the stats beforehand, but I didn't bother writing any of them down. But um, looking at you know, stuff like uh, contested possessions and, and inside 50s and stuff, they looked pretty similar to us in a lot of measures. Mm. Um, very reliant on uncontested possession game that play a very similar sort of game style to us. Um, yeah, uncontested last, possessions. Last in clearances, last in inside 50s, yes. second last in scoring. Yeah, yeah, low in inside 50s, uh, not great with clearances, uh, pretty reliant on uh, a dominant Ruckman to get clearances. So, mm. yeah, very similar to us in, in a lot of respects. Uh, the main difference between us was um, the, the thing I mentioned before is the efficiency going inside 50. When we go yeah. in, we score a fair bit uh, and they don't. Um, but that's that's an area we've dropped off lately, so it's um, yeah something that uh, uh, we'll have to take advantage of this time around. We'll talk about the team selection as well because uh, we talked about perhaps bringing in another ruck. Talked about Barty being in that group, and we've seen them make the late swap with Williams in the past as well. So maybe they'll bring in a second ruck to combat Grundy. Uh, Nick Nat, I think, has really gone to town on Brody Grundy in the last couple of matchups. Yeah. And I know they knocked us out of the elimination final last year, but to me, the story of that match was that Buckley Grundy conceded. getting benched. Yeah, he benched yeah. him and he conceded the knick-knack minutes and started putting Grundy on for the Oscar Allen minutes because knick-knack had him. So I'm interested yeah. to see how that battle develops, but we'll go through the ins and outs. Uh, Petrocelli and Redden both listed as tests, both in. We'll talk about whether you're worried about them being underdone in a second, but outs Brander, Hutchings, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, of course, injured. Hutchings didn't tag. Jack Steele's numbers were really low, so there was some suggestions he tagged, but he didn't. He was just out there on the wing, sort of outside the contest. Didn't get too much of the footy. He's been dropped, unfortunately, off some good waffle form. Uh, Jared Brander we touched on. Patch for Ryan makes sense. Red and yeah. in makes sense. I'm happy that they've retained West. I'm happy that they've retained O'Neill. But yet I'm starting to be a bit concerned. Are both of these guys underdone? You know, how do you go carrying a couple of sore guys off a few weeks off? Yeah, Petch, I think, has only missed the one week. He had, yep. uh, the week before, he had one of his best games against uh, Adelaide. And then a uh, bit of a trend for him, had played a ripper game and then um, went out with a hammy. So uh, I had concerns about him. I didn't have him in my side um, when I did the changes just because I was worried about uh, the fact he's missed a few little stints this year with a hamstring. Yeah, um, we've had yeah, we've got such issues with um, forwards in particular with injuries. I didn't want to sort of rush one back and and lose him again. So yeah, hopefully the uh, the fitness guys know what they're doing with him. But 
especially with Ryan going out. If he's fit and available um, uh, with his recent form, you pick him, I think. So, yeah, touch wood, it was just a, uh ultra-cautious decision not to play him against St Kilda um, because, yeah, if, if you don't pick him, you uh, the only options uh, I could see for that Ryan spot were uh, either uh, Izzy Winder, who... Um, playing reasonably in the waffle and yeah, he's just come back himself and he's yeah, he's pretty raw. Uh, or you you pick someone who's not a forward and play him there. Um, so yeah, you throw Jackson Nelson in or you play Hutchings as a forward or something. So um, yeah, I can see the temptation to bring Petricelli in. Hopefully, it's right. And yeah, Redden um, surprised that the midfield's. Um, looked okay in the last couple of weeks without him because I thought he was really mm. important in there. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to have him back and, and someone to sort of do the uh, the unsung sort of grunt work and, and block for uh, block for the uh, the bigger name guys. So yeah, hopefully he's right as well. He's been out for a little while, but we can probably afford yeah, one of them coming in uh, a little bit underdone. And, and yeah, hopefully uh, Petrocelli's cherry right. Now, the Pies, we won't spend too long on their ins and outs, but just to run through them, because on paper you go, yeah, they're bringing some real talent back this week. We know they're losing Pendlebury, uh, but the ins, Jeremy Howe is back, Chris Mayne is back, Josh Thomas is back, and Will Hoskin-Elliott is back. So time stops for nobody. I know it's not 2018 anymore, but you look at that as a core of what made them very dangerous that year. Uh, I'd love to see somebody smack Josh Thomas about on the weekend just as uh, by the by, maybe Tom Cole. Was it, it was, I think it was Josh Thomas. I'm putting you on the spot here, but was he the one that ruffled Tom Cole's hair after the Pies kicked their fifth goal in that grand final? Maybe oh. maybe I'm just... I fixated on it, so maybe could I'm have just been, being I, afraid. Yeah, I get him and Hoskin Elliott mixed up a fair bit, so it could have been either of them. But anyway, you look at the outs yeah. for the Pies. Pendlebury's a big one, uh, but then you've got Caleb Poulter, Ant, uh, Anton Tohill, and Nathan Murphy as outs, plus Mason Cox, who was the medical sub, Came on for an injured Scott Pendlebury. I'm not spending any oxygen on Mason Cox, so we'll move along there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, look, we've talked about the ruck battle should be an interesting one. I suggest that Robert Harvey will let, uh, you know, he'll let Grundy go against Nick Nat. I don't think we're going to see a benching of him. Uh, so it, it pretty much comes down to can they win against Sidebottom's done good jobs in the past. They've got yeah. bloody Dugowie that we know about. You know, they've got talent in there. They're bringing these guys in to sort of supplement that midfield. It is an interesting matchup, and I'm interested to see how guys like West, like O'Neill, go because you think, well, Kelly's maybe in good form, Yo's in good form, Redden coming back. The Vets should be good. Can the bottom edge of that midfield sort of do enough as well to keep us winning that? Because if we win the supply battle, we win this game. You'd think so, yeah. And so, yeah, um, good to have Redden back in that regard. And, yeah, a lot of pressure on yeah, guys like Connor West, um, O'Neill, if he gets any midfield minutes, he seemed to play uh, pretty much exclusively forward uh, yeah. from what I can see in that um, the St Kilda game. And he seemed to be doing a lot of sort of trying to block for Allen or, or block for Darling uh, and not sort of try and get the ball himself. So he did. He only ended up with seven or eight touches or something. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, given a role that was um, a little bit unusual for him. But, um, yeah, good to see him get another run and yeah, see if we... Uh, use him in the midfield, which is you know, what we actually drafted him for. Um, but yeah, um, hopefully we uh, yeah we can get on top in that midfield battle because they even without Pendlebury they do bat pretty deep in there. Taylor Adams uh, probably the most dangerous and yeah side bottom if he can uh, recapture some of his old form as well. 
now, we've talked about Alan earlier on in the show, and I don't think we'll see him drop out unless maybe he's the one that makes that change for a ruck bat, you know, an additional yeah. ruckman. But you'd suggest that the Eagles are going to go in fairly tall as well. I know they're bringing in Howe, but uh, the Pies don't really have too much by way of key defender for for the tall guys. They're giving up goals. Even you look at the Port Adelaide game, uh, four goals, three to Dixon, three goals straight to Marshall, two goals to Laddam. So they got stretched out a little bit last week. Kennedy's coming off a three-goal game. Darling's coming off a three-goal game. Waterman could have kicked X number of goals if he had had his radar on. If Allen's starting to get a little bit, you know, maybe he's getting some work put into him, it opens things up for some other guys. But the, the, the tall guys up forward, again, it's a supply issue, but if we can get it to them, they should be able to kick a score against this Collingwood back line. They, they just should. You'd hope so, yeah. Uh, the There's rain forecast, which uh, isn't going to help, but, yeah, if <laughs> we can... There's always same old bloody story. This year we've gone in tall and there's rain forecast. Um, yeah, they don't... And then it doesn't come, uh, by the way. Not to jinx it. Yeah, that's then it true. doesn't come. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, rough head on Kennedy. Um, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, Kennedy enjoys playing on rough head. He's uh, yep. kicked some bags on him uh, when he was at the Bulldogs. Uh, yeah, Jeremy Howe's done some good jobs on Darling in the past, but he'll be rusty, hopefully. Um, and, yeah, they don't have a lot of other height. So if we do go in with, uh, even if it's if it's Alan or Vardy spending time forward uh, and Waterman as well, um, yeah, but hopefully they can... Uh, take advantage of some mismatches in there and yeah, someone mentioned in the comments that um, Maynard's already started to cry uh, but he'll, yeah he'll be you mentioned you said Pav um, Pav thought that it was good that Ryan would be injured Maynard would be absolutely thrilled oh. that Ryan's injured because um, Liam Ryan absolutely gives Maynard a bath every but time. they keep him they keep that matchup they always go to it Actually, yeah. that's an interesting one maybe they'll try and put him on like a Langdon or an O'Neill, and have yeah, him come across as, a, as an interceptor. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, I know we're biased and there was the Shep versus Maynard chat for All-Australian over the last few years and all this sort of stuff. But, I mean, are they going to put him on Waterman and let Waterman run him up the ground? I would have thought they'd want him actually in the back 50. So who are they going to put him on? They're not putting him on Kennedy. They're not putting him on Darling. If they put him on Oscar Allen, well, I mean, I'll take that as a matchup win for the Eagles. So, yeah. I don't know. It's a weird one. There's not an ideal matchup for him this week. No, but yeah, they might try and um, yeah give him like a soft matchup, like a, a Langdon or a Petch or something, and and hope that he can yeah get uh, be available to to help out a bit. But yeah, that'll be an interesting one. And and down the other end, I suppose to go is the one that gives us headaches. Uh, so, yeah, so that's that's the Shep matchup that you sort of pencil in, I suppose. But do you think yeah. it's something where we might see? I mean, Tommy Cole's been more offensive in the last couple of weeks. Duggan's the same. They're sort of the options you might consider. So does that pretty much lock it in as Shep's matchup? Yeah, I would have thought it's Shep. Um, sorry, just to go back to the other end of the ground, Andrew makes a good point there with Maynard playing taller. Um, who went off injured? One of their tools went off injured um, in the first time we played them. And then they sort of had to shuffle them. Can't remember that. But they had to shuffle cards around a bit and Maynard did end okay. up playing on Darling uh, that that week. And... Um, and did a pretty good job from memory, um, shutting Darling down in the, the second half. Cannot for the life of me remember who went off. Was it Darcy Moore? No, I can't remember. It might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Something I'll, like I'll look into it. I'll, you, you keep plugging yeah. away. I'll see if I can find it. But it might oh, have been, Oh, no, it's yeah. Howe. Yeah, um, Howe. Didn't Howe get injured? Um, oh, he had his so, knee. Yeah, You're right. To, that's what it was. Yeah, so he came off a marking contest and stayed down. Yeah, that's right. So, 
Nicely done. Yeah, Maynard, Maynard might end up on Darling. There you go. Um, so, look, let's talk about that other end of the field, the defense for the West Coast Eagles. Edwards been getting a little bit of a bath last week, and we've seen him exposed a couple of times this year. I still like him, still worth persisting. Yeah. Young, tall, games into him, let's go. But, you know, if we're in a win-now mentality, it is worth addressing. He, he might get a bit of a touch-up. Now, with that said, Meyer check seems to not be rated on the Eagles board. It makes me laugh every time we play the Pies. He's always got a bag in him, though. He's always yeah. got the ability to just bob up and kick a couple. We've seen them struggle against with us. Physically. Yeah, absolutely yeah. against us. But like Cameron, you know, Grundy can drop forward, and we've seen a lot of chat about Rucks kicking goals against us over the last yeah. months and however long. Where do you think the Edwards matchup goes? What does that mean for Gov? Do we try and give him more of a, a soft matchup and have him drop off an intercept, or are we sticking with him as a lockdown option like we have in Barassa's absence? You know, what what do you think they're going to do down the defensive end? Gov's probably he's had some good matchups with Myacek um, in the mm. past. Although yeah, Myacek does get a hold of us a bit, so yeah, hopefully that's more of a, a lockdown job for him. And we've got guys like uh, Hearn and, and Rotham that can um, float across and read the play and float across and help out and, and intercept well. So uh, as good as Gov is at that, we don't need him doing that every week. So it'd be good to see him, I think, do a, a, a lockdown job on Myacek and. Uh, Edwards, I think, physically is a pretty good matchup for Darcy Cameron, who's yep. um, not that experienced, but he, he's got a few years on Edwards, uh, but similar sort of builds. And yeah, I, th- I think that'd be a good matchup and um, a good learning exp- another good learning experience for Harry Edwards. Uh, so let's get into the tips then. It is a Saturday afternoon game. Hopefully, it stays dry. It's a team we've played sort of to somewhat of a draw. I think we've won more games against the Pies than lost over the last few years, but they've had a good win against us in the finals. They had a, an yeah. important win against us at Optus as well a few years back. So, you know, we, we still owe them a few. It's developed into a, quite a nice rivalry over the last couple of years. Do the Eagles do the business in Shannon Hearns 300th? Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely win. Uh, definitely. Um, playing them. Yep. Yep. Okay. Put your, put your house on it. Uh, picking us to win since Keys isn't here, I'll pick us by twenty-four. That's and yeah, uh, Dom Sheed, best on, loves playing Colin with the MDG. Uh, yeah, uh, had a good game. Don't know that we talked about him too much, but uh, would have been close to best on against St Kilda and you know, kicked those two vital goals. So I'll pick him to uh, to back that up with another game of uh, thirty and two goals. Beautiful stuff. Uh, I'm very nervous about this. I was nervous before I saw the Pies ins, but as I said, look, I do like those ins just to give them a little bit more stability, a little bit more experience and that sort of stuff. I'm not going to tip against us. Not in Shannon Hearns 300th. We've won a couple of milestone games back to back now, which is uh, starting to hopefully get that monkey off the back. So I'll say we'll win. Uh, Who's going to be best on? I'm going to say Nick. I'll say Nick will be best on because I like that Grundy matchup. It might not be, you know... I hope that he comes out and just throws up 40 hit-outs and 20 touches, but it might not be the stats that do it. It just might be that continued good service. Tap it in the path of Yo so he can bang it in. Tap it into Kelly. Yeah. Give Dommy yep. Sheet a run at it, all this stuff. So let's say that Nick Nat's going to help uh, help the boys across. I'll say the Eagles win it by 13, and uh, yeah. hopefully they can chair Shannon Hearn off in front of a, a capacity MCG crowd of zero, just how Bunga would probably like it. And... Uh, Celebrate the great man in, in great style. I reckon we'll uh, leave it there, Migs. That'll do us for the week. Thank you very much. Just yourself this week. Hopefully we'll get a full crew back together at some point. But anyway, I ha- we had yourself tonight. 
another nice run at it for you there. So thank you for coming on the show. Yep, no worries. Um, yeah, hopefully I won't need another week off next week to, to nah, recover. To recover Getting from in. what, uh, the, the stress in. and the, the yeah, heart attack I, that the Eagles are going to give us this week probably? Like Glassy in his, in his final years, so he couldn't go back-to-back. Basically, no. they retired. So, yeah, I'm getting old, so I might have to take every second week off. One show on, one show off. That's all right. Thank yeah. you to everybody in the comments as well, uh, jumping in throughout the show. Had a, a few new faces on tonight as well, which is nice to see in the comments section. Uh, no commentating coming up this week, unfortunately, Paul, because I will not be able to watch the game live, so I'm very disappointed about that. Yeah. But you'll uh, you'll definitely get our thoughts in the week. I believe that next week we're doing a uh, not a Thursday 8.30. We're doing a Wednesday 8.30 next week as a bit of a one-off. So we'll make sure that that's pretty clear. Post about it all week on social so you won't miss the show. But, uh, yeah, either way, guys, we'll come back to you next week with our thoughts on the Collingwood game. We'll toast Shannon Hearn once more. Why not? And uh, we'll get things in as the Eagles run home really starts to ramp up. But other than that, we will leave you there. All the best for the Eagles this week. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Bye.